Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, our Lord tells a parable that spans the history of the church from the time of Pentecost to the end of the age. And he warns us to make the best of the time there is, for the time of grace is ultimately short. And he begins like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage feast or a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my ox and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. From the outset, our Lord signals to us that this takes place after his death and resurrection. We see this in the words of the invitation. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. This can't be referencing anything happening in the Old Testament, or what was even happening at the moment when Jesus spoke this, for all things were not quite ready. For the Lord needed to be born of a virgin, to be baptized, to bear our sin, to atone for it by his death on the cross, to rise again for our justification, and to ascend to heaven. These are the things which God was doing in order to bring about salvation for the world, which he was preparing so that those whom he has called may enter into the wedding feast in his kingdom, which has no end. And knowing this, the parable unfolds before our eyes that we might understand what the Lord would have us know. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing. In this, the king is, of course, God, his son, Jesus Christ, and those first servants which he sent out were the apostles. They were sent by Christ to those who were invited to the wedding, to God's ancient people, to those who were part of the covenant made with him by sacrifice on Mount Sinai. These are those who were invited long ago in the Lord's promise to Abraham, that in his offspring all the world should be blessed. Because they were the first invited, it is only right that they are the first to be called to the feast when all is ready. As St. Paul wrote concerning the gospel of salvation, saying, First to the Jew and also to the Greek. But when the Lord sent out his apostles after Pentecost, they were not met with a warm welcome as they announced, Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. The leaders, especially, were not willing. Those who should have been the most prepared and ready for the invitation to come were not willing to listen to the gospel call. 
But the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we see this in the king, again, sending out servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. God seeks their repentance. He continues to send his apostles and their successors to the Jewish people, to those in Jerusalem and in Judea, sounding forth the call of the gospel, even though it was first rejected. In Isaiah, we see the same thing as Isaiah prophesies of the gospel call, saying, Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. Yes, the call of the gospel is to live, to live because of what Jesus has done, to live because sins are forgiven for his sake, and all of this is freely given by his grace and received by faith. And even though they rejected that call at first, more were sent so that God called out through his servants, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. Yet these messengers were not received well. For, Jesus says, they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Some of those who were invited were neglectful. They made light of it and went their way. They did not believe the invitation, the call of the gospel. They did not believe that Jesus was the very Messiah, that he was the Lamb of God who takes away their sins. They had life and light and salvation set before them, already accomplished. They only needed to trust in the Lord that he would graciously provide it out of his rich grace. They listened to the preaching, but they did not take it seriously. They heard what was offered, but thought that it was not as important as what they already had. One went to his farm, another to his business, because they were already satisfied with their possessions, with their own things, with their own way of life. The king had invited them to a marvelous feast, but they couldn't be bothered. Sadly, such people exist today as well. How many neglect the gifts that the Lord offers how many hear of the riches of the Lord's grace, but are satisfied with transitory and temporary things over those which last forever. May God keep from us such attitudes and thoughts. And while some neglected the servants who brought the gospel call to them, the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. We see the clearest example of this in the martyrdom of St. Stephen where he preached the gospel to those who had rejected it before, to his fellow brothers and sisters, Jews who lived in Jerusalem and those that came from all over. And he called them to repentance and faith. But in the end, he was taken by the people and stoned outside of the city. After this, there was a greater persecution, and many of the Jewish Christians in the city fled to other places, like Damascus, and even to Samaria. 
And while our Lord speaking here to the scribes and the Pharisees is warning them of what they themselves will do if they do not repent, we see this happening again and again throughout history wherever the gospel is proclaimed. All of the apostles, save one, were martyred, and most of them were martyred by Gentiles. 700 years later, give or take, St. Boniface was killed by pagans in what is now the Netherlands. And around a thousand years later, Moritz Browninger was slain by Sioux warriors to whom he was preaching the gospel. Even today, missionaries and simple Christian people are put to death for sharing the gospel with their neighbors, for calling them to the wedding feast, to the Lord's banquet, to the forgiveness of sins. When the king heard it, Jesus says, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. After the king's servants were killed by those whom he loved and cherished, and whom he first invited to his son's wedding banquet, his wrath was kindled. He was furious, and why wouldn't he be? He had invited them to join the feast which he had prepared at great cost to himself, to celebrate with him. And when the call came that all was ready, they continually rejected that call and even killed those whom he sent. This was an insult to the king, to his son, and to his grace. And so he treats them justly, punishing them for what they have done, even after he had called them again and again to himself, even after giving them opportunity after opportunity to repent. This was fulfilled in 70 AD, when the Lord God permitted the Romans to tear down the temple, to destroy Jerusalem and burn the city. After all that he had done for them, they still rejected him. The leaders and those in high places who were expected to know and embrace the call rejected it and led others to destruction. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, writes Isaiah. For the time of grace will not last forever. Those who continually reject the Lord and his call to life and salvation will eventually receive what they ask for, life without him forever. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and brought together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Those who were invited were not worthy. It's not that they were unworthy because they lacked something in themselves, because they lacked some merit. No, he had invited them, he had called them, and he had made a covenant with them, even though there was nothing in them that he should choose them, as he tells them in Deuteronomy. He made them worthy of the feast by his call. They made themselves unworthy through their rejection of that call. He had done everything. He had made all things ready through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They only needed to accept this invitation, this call, through faith, to trust in him and his sacrifice. But they did not. And so by rejecting him, they made themselves unworthy and were rejected in turn. But the king would not have an empty banquet hall. He has prepared everything, and everything is ready. His son has purchased and won salvation for the whole world. His love of his son and his love of the world is too great. 
So he sends more servants into the highways to gather together all whom they have found, both good and bad. God sent and continues to send his servants into the world to the far ends of the earth, to each and every place under his dominion, to gather people together of all kinds, men and women, those of high and low estate, the rich and the poor, those from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, from all tribes and languages and nations. His servants go out and invite all whom they find, and even now his pastors and missionaries call all they can find to God's kingdom, to the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And all his servants, all his people, do the same. All whom God has called to this feast are able and say to their friends and their family and their neighbors, Come, all is prepared. Come to the wedding feast. Come, eat and drink and be satisfied and have life for your soul. Come and find rest for yourself for, from your labors, from your sin, and even from death itself. Yes, the servants of God will continue to call all they find to the wedding feast. They will continue to extend the gospel invitation to all that they might join in the banquet of God. They will continue until the hall is filled, until all that have been appointed to life believe, Jew and Gentile, good and bad, all that are called. Not only those who are outwardly good and seem righteous, but also those who are open sinners and regarded as poorly by others. Not only are Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea leading members of the Sanhedrin and abstending members of their community invited to the feast, but so also are the tax collectors Zacchaeus and Matthew. So are thieves, murderers, and prostitutes. But what one was before the invitation, before the call of the gospel, does not matter. All, bad and good, are invited. But how could the bad and good exist together? It's difficult enough to imagine the good and bad being worthy of entering into a king's banquet, let alone how they can be together in the kingdom of God. But Jesus tells us in this parable how. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man that did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All could be together, both bad and good, rich and poor, because of the wedding garment. The wedding garment covers each and all the same, so that all alike share in the king's splendor and glory. The feast couldn't wait. It was already prepared. The servants who went out to gather the people from the far reaches of the kingdom to fill the banquet hall did not have time to wait for everyone to go to his home to find a suitable wedding garment. Besides, what were the chances that any one of these surprise guests would own a garment that was fit for a king's son's wedding, fit for such a celebration? But the king had thought of this already, and he had garments provided for all of the guests so that all alike were arrayed in glorious robes for celebration. This wedding garment is the righteousness of Christ. 
for it has been prepared by the king, provided by him, and freely given to all who come to the feast. All who believe in Jesus Christ are clothed with Christ and his righteousness by faith. In Isaiah, we hear the Lord God say, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. And later on, he says, He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And St. Paul speaks of this many times. In Romans, he says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And in Galatians, he says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And in Colossians, saying, You have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Yes, this wedding garment that all in attendance have is that of the righteousness of Christ Jesus, imputed to them by grace and embraced by faith. This is offered and given freely to all that are called in the gospel. And we see that there is one man in the crowd without one. This our Lord Jesus includes so that we might know for certain that the robe, this wedding garment, is his righteousness. This man is not an actual guest. He insults the king's grace by coming in his own garment. He was invited, he came, but just as the others rejected the king's invitation and grace when they were called, this man rejects the king's grace by rejecting the garment. He would have been offered a garment like all the rest, but instead he refused it. And we know this because when the king comes to him, he asks him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. If he had not been offered a garment like everyone else, he would have had an excuse. He would have been able to say as much, and one would have been provided for him. But he was speechless. He was without excuse. He thought his own garments were good enough, and rejected the one which was offered him. He thought his own righteousness was good enough, and did not need the righteousness of Christ. Because the man thought his own righteousness was enough, and because he rejected the grace and gift of the king, he faces the same sentence as those men before, and is bound hand and foot and thrown into the outer darkness. This was wholly avoidable on his part. The man was offered a fine and magnificent royal robe, but came in his own, thinking of himself so highly. Could you imagine inviting someone for a grand meal that you were preparing, pulling out all the stops, and they bring their own food because they don't want to eat yours? That's insulting enough. How much more insulting is it to tell the Lord God of heaven and earth, who has done all things necessary for your salvation, even giving his son into death for your sins, that you're quite all right. Thank you very much. Such is the peril of works righteousness. So let us, brothers and sisters, give thanks to God, for he has prepared all things necessary for our salvation. He has made ready the eternal wedding feast. He has called you by the gospel, invited you by name, in holy baptism, he has clothed you with Christ and his righteousness. And even now, he gives you a foretaste of the feast to come in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
so that you may receive his body and blood as a pledge of his forgiveness, of unity with Christ, and of resurrection from the dead and life everlasting, just as he lives and reigns to all eternity. Thanks be to God for these gifts which he has procured for us and distributes to us by his grace through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. Amen.